Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. I spoke about generational blessing and generational thinking generations. Last week, you can get the sermon on podcast on our website. Go to Every Nation Twane, go to Moikluf, and you'll find all our sermons there. Go and listen to it. I really believe it's important. We think generational. I am the fruit of a grandfather and a dad who served Jesus. That's why I'm here today. And if we just think one generation, we live short-sighted. And I really want to encourage us that we think beyond that. And we're speaking about stewardship. And I'm going to continue. And it was supposed to be just one more sermon this morning talking about stewardship. But as I was wrestling this week, there was so much on my heart and things that God has been doing in my life for a while. And I've been longing to take a moment where we really stop and we think through slowly everything that we do in life. And all of you are somewhere involved in kind of in business or being employed or you're employing people or you have some skill or some gift and then we sometimes rush off and take one moment and we quickly this morning just wrap it up. And I felt the Spirit of God saying, don't do that. And I have yet done this personally because we, we, play, we plan way ahead what we preach. But I came this morning and I said to our team, we are changing, we're pushing the next sermon series a month back. And for the next month of August, I'm gonna continue what I'm starting this morning, speaking about not just financial stewardship, but helping us to understand the bigger picture why God created us and why you in business, why you even have the ability to think and to come up with ideas I want to help you to understand who's the real entrepreneur. And I want us to understand how we will be faithful with what we do because we could easily get to a place of, you know, let's just quickly speak about tithes and offerings and you give your tithe and so on, and then we miss the whole point. It's never been about tithes and offerings. So I'm going to take a slow approach to this. And for the next five weeks, don't miss it. You are going to miss out. I believe as I was busy preparing God reminded me when we were asking, we were praying about planting this church. I said, God, you never do anything without purpose. So tell me what is the purpose that's on your heart for this church? And we had a lot of words that God gave us. And some of those words were God's taking us into a community. He's establishing us in a community where there's high walls but broken families. God showed us where God is going to use us in a multicultural and dynamic Without even effort, it's just happening. The reason why we mix our tales, okay, mix our languages, and the reason why we have different people is because God has called this church to reach into a community and reach those people to become part of something that is diverse and multicultural. That's why we sing Afrikaans songs to the Nigerians. All my Nigerian friends, I hope you enjoyed it, Okay. That's why we sing different things and we preach and we allow different dynamics because that is part of the beauty of God's nature. God's nature is like the tapestry of diversity. And we see the beauty of God in those different aspects and cultures. When we go into nations and we preach the gospel, we take the gospel and to take sin out, but not to take a culture and impose one culture on another culture. Now we go into nations and we say, Lord, let me find the beauty of what you've created in this culture. Let's just take sin out, but leave the culture. And whatever is in the culture that is sinful is not the culture, it's sin. That we take out. 
There's a lot of sinful things in the Afrikaans culture that God wants to take out. There's a lot of sinful things in Kosa culture and Nigerian culture that God wants to take out, but God doesn't want to make all become one culture. They're, you know, kind of conform to each other. The beauty of it is where God can mature us, where we can grow up. And you know, I grew up in a house with five siblings. We all are different. And guess what? We had some tough times. <laughs> because we're different. See, what family? Family is us coming together with different people and we grow up learning to love each other in the diversity. So I want to encourage us as we go upon, you know, barking on this the series, the purpose why God has established us, that's one of the purposes. But also God said he's gonna put us in a position, in a place where we will reach a people that have lived for something. And one of the visions that somebody gave me was, he saw me, he said, Phil, I see you guys planting and you are walking literally on gold as you embark into this area, which speaks of wealth. It says, but... What God showed him is he walk on gold, which means the lowest value in the kingdom of God is that which you walk on. It's the gold. And the things above it is more valuable. It's the people walking on the gold. And that God is gonna help us to turn the kingdom of God right side up again. So that we start to see things for what it is and we start to worship God through what it is and not have this wrong concept of ideas and so on. So we almost like idolize certain things and we undermine the gospel. No, we're uplifting the gospel so we can change things right side up again. And you and I can start to live with Godly purpose again. So the following few weeks, we're gonna speak about financial stewardship and it's gonna be much more than that. But this morning specifically, I'm gonna focus on financial stewardship is worship. And then the following two weeks, we will speak about going into financial worship. You'll see where I'm going. Then we're gonna look at what happened. Unfaithful steward. What happened? What happened with the curse? What happened when Eve decided, she, her eyes looked at something and she lusted after something but God's purposes. And you see what happened on earth and how pain and, and all the dysfunction and fraud and everything was introduced by that moment of disobedience, which we still today experience. But we find again the merciful God who takes the curse and who takes the moment of disobedience and he turns it back and intentionally, deliberately, he reverses the curse for those who are faithful and for those who submit to God. Then we're gonna look into principles of generosity and how we live a life of generosity. Why? Because we serve a generous God. If it wasn't for his generosity, you would not have breath in your lungs. You would not even sit here today. And then the last moment, we're gonna preach on the applications of our occupation and how we faithfully steward our occupation, the way we do things and how we live. Don't miss it. You're gonna miss out. This morning, I'm gonna lay a foundation. And I was tempted because of one Sunday, let's jump to the main conclusion and summarize things. And I felt we're gonna miss the big picture because we could quote scriptures in the New Testament, but we lose the foundation of the origin of everything. So I'm gonna go right back and journey with you right back into Genesis. The theme scripture we're gonna use over this period of time is Matthew 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is just gonna be a theme scripture throughout the series. No one can serve two masters. 
Guess what you and I wrestle with when we wake up on a Monday morning? We wrestle, who will I serve today? Who will I serve tomorrow? Whenever we make decisions, it's always this wrestle. It's always what will I be devoted to? What do I have time for? And what don't I have time for? Our prioritization and all the things that we do always comes back to this key foundation. Turn your Bibles and you can look on the screen. I'm gonna start in Genesis 1 verse 28. You see, God created the whole universe and the Bible says right in the beginning, the earth was formless and void. Verse one, means formless and void, disorder, there was nothing. What happens when God arrives on the scene? He brings order. Immediately God takes whatever is dysfunctional and it's you know, out of order and it's void and it's nothing. God arrives on the scene with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and immediately he started to create and put things in order and put things in place and started to create everything. And it's beautiful. I mean, that was, listen, that was happening before you and I existed and before Adam and Eve even existed. God started to create an environment for a purpose. He created a whole idea for a purpose. And he established, he started to create and he, birds and animals and nature and plants and water and sky and, and he makes everything. He's preparing the, white, the, the, the silver screen for the greatest move of your life. I get a lot of feedback just on the mic. I'm sorry, Nick. So we look at verse 28. After everything was created, God says, it's beautiful. Look at the earth, look at everything. But God is such a relational God. You see, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is the foundation of Christianity. Why? Because God is a relational God and you can't have a relationship if you're on your own. You cannot speak about submission unless there's three. You have to submit to some. You cannot speak about love unless there's somebody to love. You cannot speak about holiness unless there's the opportunity with someone else that you can be unholy with. The whole triune God is the foundation of Christianity, but God works in that whole concept. Not only are they a triune God, but together they are God. And so what God does is God comes and he says, let us make creation, number two, and let's make man. You see a triangle again. And God says, this thing should run in harmony. You'll find this triune, you go and sit in the word of God, you'll start to become amazed when this theologically opens up to you. Then God goes and he makes man and he says, you will become one family. And he says, you will have children, three. I'll keep you busy for a long time with that. You see, you need to understand this because here we come and this triune God says, and God blessed Adam and Eve. He says, here's creation. He says, God blessed man, he said, and God said to him, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over fish and of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It started, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. What is this? This is the ability or even the concept of being fruitful. If anything in your life, you do something, you find some success, Here's the origin. God gave you the ability. 
It's God from the beginning that gave man. It was his intent. It was not some great idea of some man that takes honor and get on media and think, I'm so great, I'm doing. The whole foundation was God. The ability to be fruitful was God. The ability to multiply was God. You see, if we don't see God in it, how will we honor him with it? He says, have dominion, have rulership. We found the foundation of leadership here. He puts in position, he says, have dominion, rule, manage well, lead well, speak well, think well, plan well, do things. So whatever I've given you, be faithful with this. And you'll find that God never said anywhere in the scripture, have dominion and have control over people. It's always creation, not people. Where does control come from? Where does apartheid come from? Where does racism come from? It comes from misunderstanding the scripture, misinterpreting the scripture. God is calling mankind as a whole to together rule over creation and not over man. God is the only one who rules over man. Be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. God says, even the earth was created not just for God to enjoy. He says, I'm inviting you as mankind, come enjoy it with me. Subdue it. I'm giving you permission to play on my fields. I'm giving you permission to put seed in my soil. I'm giving you permission to use some of the stuff on earth, make something of it. I'm giving you the ability to take all the stuff and the soil and the things and form things and create things. And then you see steel and from steel comes cars and from this. And so it says, don't just make steel and then steal it. Honor me with it because it is mine. Why don't you steal it with me? Why don't you subdue the earth with me? God wanted partnership. It's like almighty and sons. You come into company, says, here's a family business. It's almighty, you know, it's the, it's the dad and sons. Let me tell you the greatest family business on the face of the earth. It is God the Father and us. Inviting us to participate together. And whenever we see ourselves independently in this picture, we start to function dysfunctionally. Verse 29, and God said, behold, behold, stop, see, become aware. Remember, business people, friends, family, there's good moments where we have to stop and behold. Open up your eyes and see. Rethink your success. Rethink what you chase. Rethink, it says, behold, I have given you. Do you hear those words? I have given you. No, not you. I have given you. Every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in it, in its fruit, you shall have them for food. Here's a few principles. He says, I give you plants with seed and I give you trees with seed. Why is he not just saying plants and trees? You're busy with the book of Genesis, which means the beginning. It's the origin of everything. Everything that you think of and everything you read in the whole Bible has its origin in Genesis. Every single concept. What you find a moment yet God stops us and he says, 
I'm giving you not just plants. I'm giving you something that has the ability to fulfill what I just commanded you. Go multiply. Be fruitful. You can't even do that on your own. God says, I'm even going to give you the things you need to be able to obey me. I'm giving you plants with seed. Seed can multiply. I'm giving you trees with seed. You look at a tree, you don't see a tea, you see a plantation. It ultimately ends up in what? Even paper and all kinds of things we see. And we build houses with it. And all of it is beautiful. But where does it come from? Behold. Stop and think. See, seed communicates of a hidden potential in something. People ask, well, how do we raise leaders? My response is always, you have to have the ability with your eyes to see seed. Not dysfunction. You have to see somebody, what they can become, and not just where they're stuck. You have to start to put a seed of greatness in somebody's heart and give them a vision of heaven and something inside of their soul will start to chase after that because every one of you are created for a purpose. There are four major questions every human being on the face of the earth will ask. Where do I come from? Evolution wants to tell you a lie. Evolution will never be proven right. Why? Because there is no missing link. The missing link is you're a human being and that is a baboon. And it will never change. Why? Because no animal on the face of the earth has the ability to worship. No desire to worship. They've got no moral code. We were just away this, week, this holiday and one of the sheep were caught and two baboons basically started to eat this sheep alive. You say, wow, that's gross. The baboon didn't think it's gross. It has no moral code. Because it's not created to worship. You have a moral code. Which means a baboon has a body and a um, soul. A body and a soul. But it doesn't have a spirit. Human beings have a spirit. Which means the ability to worship. Which means you will worship. You have no choice if you worship. You will worship. The only choice you have is who will you worship. You either worship God singular or you worship everything else plural. He says, you shall also have them for food. What is beautiful about this? God is saying, not only do I give you seed that will multiply and grow, but as things grow and as things expand, yes, I give you permission to eat of it. Enjoy your fruit of your labor. Just don't eat all your seed. Enjoy, but it's not all for you. Some of it is for you. I will nourish you. I will fulfill you. I will be your satisfaction if you keep your eyes on me. Let's turn to verse 30. And, in, and to every beast on the face on the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every plant for food. What is God saying here? He's not turning away from man. He's turning to every breeze, everything with life inside of it except for man. He says, I am giving them the ability to multiply also. I'm giving, giving them food. I will provide for the birds. I will provide for the animals. And I'm giving the ability. He's talking about just the concept of farming. He says, I have created an earth with my blessing. I've created the universe for my blessing. And with my blessing, 
I've created everything so that it can grow and multiply. You find the foundation of entrepreneurship. God says there's potential hidden which can be discovered and unlocked that will multiply into so many things. In this passage, we see the first time an assumption to the concept called work. Whom of you work? Here's the origin. It was not tax and Stalinbarst that thought of that. Here's the origin of work, the assumption. I'm giving you something and I want you to do something. And this assumption will now be confirmed. And God created mankind both for himself and to serve under him as his under rulers. To serve under God as father and sons. To rule over creation. God invites man into a loving purpose relationship with him first. And secondly, he calls him to steward what belongs to another, to him. The first reason why we need to understand God made man for himself. If you disconnect your relationship from God, how will you ever understand the purposes of God? Oh, I'm going to serve God with my life. If you and I don't stay devoted to God, we will drift from the purposes of God. Your relationship with God is paramount to you living out the purposes of God. You waking up in the morning and open up your own Bible and you're spending time with God yourself. How can you multiply what you don't become? God created man in his image. And he says multiply. It's not just multiply having children. It's multiplying you having my image. And if you have children, you're also responsible to steward that they get the image of Christ inside of them. So they can become against the next representation, presenting God correctly. We're not just multiplying people, we're multiplying God's image on the face of the earth. You see, from this place where God says, right, let's do this, he turns and he creates a trusted steward. Genesis 2 verse 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he done, and he rested on the seventh day. What do you find here? You find the very first mention in the word of God, the word work. Guess who started work? God, man, is he not the creator of everything? He is God. God worked, which means if God worked me, then it means it's godly. Work is not a curse, hello? Work was not because of sin, hello? Work was not so that you can have food on your plate. Work was not so that you can just enrich yourself. Work was not, work was God himself. He worked. And yes, he rested. And there's moments where he stopped. But you look at the first mention of work. God started the concept of work and he himself modeled work. How was his work? Wow. That's where the word worship comes from. Wowness. Wow. Look at the birds. Wow. Elephant. Wow. Lion. Look at nature. Wow. If you look at how God works, man, it displays his character. How's your work? Is it displaying the character of God? See, he lays a twofold purpose here, foundation. First of all, God worked, and therefore work is holy, blessed, and godly. It is of God, it's from God, and it's for God. Secondly, if man was created in God's image, means like God, then it means that God who works is, has also created man to work. 
Waking up in the morning is an honor. Going to work is an honor. Genesis 2 verse 5. And when no bush of field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not, had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. The second mention of work. First was God worked. The second thing is God says, there is no rain, which means God is not actioned, activated the ability to produce. Although it's a promise, God withholds it. Why did he withhold it? I have not yet a steward. Why do God for withhold? Because of bad stewardship. There's no man yet to work. God says, let me make the worker. And when I have the worker, I will activate the provision. You see, the moment God says, I have no man yet, and therefore I will hold the rain, the second mention of work confirms that man was made to work. It confirms that God himself creates man in his image and is desirous that you and I would start to work with no complaining and moaning about this, this but we would start to see no matter where, Lord, we're here to worship you with this. The Lord God has not yet sent rain. It's a declaration. I'm the owner, I'm in control, and I'm the provider. Without me, you're gonna battle to work. You're going to battle provide. It's speaking right into the arrogance of mankind. Speaking into the insecurity of making a name for myself. It's speaking right into the thing of ownership. And then he says, there was no man. I have not yet have a steward who God can work with and farm with, build with, do business with. It is clear from Genesis that work was part of the original intent. And here's a biblical principle. God's original intent is always the final intent. It will never change. His original intent is the final intent. It's the same intent of God and man, not response of curse. Work is not a response of curse. It was before sin existed, work existed. Genesis 2 verse 15 to 18, the same chapter Let's go on. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. So God says, rain? Okay, great. Let's give rain. And he made man. And what did he do? He took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden. He puts him in his prime spot. He puts him in his most beautiful part of creation. Yes, here's Eden. You know what Eden was? It was on a mountain. It means it was high, close, in the presence of God. And God says, I'm bringing you into my presence. And I, mean, I can just imagine God's excitement. Let's do this. Adam Eve, let's do this. And he put him there to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, and he made him a helper. What we find in this place is start off with work it and keep it. What does it mean? Work it, leadership, entrepreneurship, keep it, manage it, and manage well, steward well, plan well. 
the whole power concept of work and keep it comes back to this, the, the original language, abara, which means worship. The word work here is worship. What is God saying? I'm giving you the opportunity to worship me with what I created. I'm putting you in the Garden of Eden. Worship me. What is worship? Worship is not so much the songs we sing, but it's more the lifestyle we live. Worship is seen in how we act and respond in obedience to God and who we do it for and why we do it and the whole motive behind that. He says, Adam, I've created everything. I've given you everything. Worship me. You see, this moment of worship validates why we work. It gives us a reason why we work. It gives us encouragement why we work. Even if you work for an unregarded boss, you're not working for him. You're working as an act of worship unto God. And may your life not just represent, but present God well. Work is to do with grow it, increase it, increase its potential. Keep it means be faithful with what you're growing. Don't just neglect it. Don't just start something and then resign, go to the next thing. Don't just start something and you don't finish it. He says, no, 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 the character of Christ is different. When you commit and you're loyal, you are loyal, you are faithful, and you do it well, and you are moved by God because you're not moved by next salary, you are moved by purpose. Friends, a lot of the dysfunction we see on earth is because of the absence of truth. In Genesis 1 verse 29, God continues by permitting man to eat of it. Again, we see God says, you may enjoy the fruits of your labor. You may participate and enjoy some of the fruit of what you eat. And next week, I'll focus more on this. But then you see the word but. The but should give you heebie-jeebies, goosebumps. But of that tree, do not eat. You see, how can you ever know or test obedience unless there's the opportunity to disobey? How can you test through worship unless the opportunity to worship something else? God says, Adam and Eve, I'm not gonna control you because love does not control. I want you to worship me from your heart. God, gives the, God gave them everything. Think about it. Everything. And he says, but one thing. What's the nature of man? We run to the but one thing. What is going on here? You see, deep in our soul, there's a lie that even if I have everything that I need to obey God, I always want to step outside of it to go for something else. And we miss God. I'll major on this a bit next week. Ephesians 6 verse 6 says, work hard, but not just to please your boss when they're watching you, but as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your hearts. God is saying work hard. Whatever you have on your table, wherever you're responsible now, whatever has been delegated to you. Train your children in your houses to work hard. Thank God for a dad. He trained me to work hard. Not afraid of work. I have a dad. I grew up on a farm. Some of my friends would go on holidays. I would work in the fields. And I, today, I appreciate my dad. 
But why do we do this? See, motivation matters. What will give you motivation again is the very same work you do when you start to change the focus, why you do it and who you do it for. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Is the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. This is something that's always been mindful, I'm mindful of. Even this morning I was about to preach here. I'm aware that I'm not doing this for anything else but for the Lord. Many years back, I was wondering what I should go and study and what I should go with my life. And I knew from a young age that I had this thing, and, you know, the ecclesiastical call of my life, but then you get to the place of, you know, what's a great leaven. And you start praying about it, and I got exemption to go to the university, go and study engineering. One morning I was praying, and I didn't have peace. And God gave me a clear scripture. God says, I've not called you to do this. I've called you to do this. And that was just my calling. Our callings differ. And I had a responsibility to react and to respond. Will I obey God and follow God or not? One of my friends went to the UK and went to study there and he called me one day and says, why don't we go to the UK just and, and, and work here and get money and then we travel over Europe and see Europe and, you know, and I said, you know what, that's a great idea. I just need to ask my boss. And I went to my boss and I said, boss, should I do it? And the boss said to me, no, you stay here. I want you to focus. Sadly, that friend of mine today is in a desperate place. I've been to more nations in the world than he's ever been. I don't know that. But today I'm part of every nation. And guess what? We're in the nations. That's what we do. I can call 20, 20 friends today and live in different nations in the world because we've got friends all over the world. What will God not do if we serve him? He says, work unto the Lord. Work hard. Work faithful. Slaves of Christ. Ask God what he wants you to do before you do it. Many people do things and they ask God to bless it. Can I suggest a better way? Ask God rather what he wants to do. He will bless it. Don't do your own will and ask, ask God to bless your will. Why don't you do the will of God? He will bless it. Because it's part of his dominion mandate. It's from the beginning. If you and I align with the big picture and we follow God, it's Lord, I'm just on a season of my life like last year, last week. I'm in legacy. I'm just a season of my life to do what I do, to honor you, to fulfill, to be part of the big redemption story from Genesis to Revelation. It's one story, and I'm just a little spot in the story, and I just want to do my part. We are not as big as we think we are. We have to get the right mentality before we all really worship God. Working hard is godly. It's dedicated worship. Let me conclude. God is the only owner and provider. God is the first to work. Work is blessed. That doesn't mean everywhere where you work will be blessed. And it doesn't mean that you open, open up a pawn shop that is gonna be blessed. It means that you need to find the will of God in line with his redemption plan and find where you need to work. And when you work there, you are part of the redemption plan of God. And you need to say, Lord, what have you called me to do? That's why God has given you a certain grace package. And we're gonna unfold this in the next four weeks. 
You've got gifts and talents. You are made in a certain way and God will position you in a certain way. And a lot of the amazing knowledge and talents out there where they test you and you like this and you're D and you're that and this, all of it is great. But if it comes together, Lord, where's my space so I can honor you and worship you? I'm not working for people. I'm not standing to get rich. I'm trying to find God's purpose and live it out. Find God's call as early as possible and live in it as long as possible. Worship God. We are all stewards under God. And work is an act of worship. What is giving? And we'll focus in the next following weeks. It's the end of the month. What, you know, ties on, what is it? It's a response of gratitude to giving a little bit of honor back to the one who gave you everything. It's a trust declaration of God and thankfulness. In the following four weeks, I pray that God will raise up in us a unity concerning God's kingdom. Imagine, just dream with me one second. Imagine every one of us start to unite everything we have together for God's purposes. What will we not get right? Imagine you bring your talents, you bring your gifts, you bring everything we say together we're gonna build God's kingdom. The people close to me, me and Michal speak about this a lot. I've never had a dream to plant a church where we can preach to you on Sundays. Don't have any dream for that. I've always had a desire, Lord, how can we take businessmen and businesswomen, every young child, every youth, everybody, and unite them together and start to build an army of God that's also a spiritual family that say yes to the purpose of God and take the purpose of God across the world. And that requires every businessman and every businesswoman and every gift and every talent to fully commit to the greater purpose of God and not get entangled in the affairs of the world. What will we not get right if we do that? I wanna give you a vision to live way beyond where you're at today. I want you to go and consider this week how you can worship God with what he has given you and I want you to consider, are you honoring God or are you honoring yourself in the way you live at the moment? That's not to condemn. That's to call you out of that, back into the original purpose. That's what happened with Adam. But Jesus gave me and you the opportunity to return to him. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that you created everything. Wow. And we have the privilege to stand on what you created. We have the privilege to drive in what you've created. We have the privilege to live and sleep on what you've created. We have breath in our lungs. We're going to a food table in an hour or two's time. It comes from you. We've got friendships. Thank you. We have your word to help us to live in this confused world, we can live clear. Thank you. Lord, may we be people who are grateful. We have so much. How do we honor you? Would you unite our church? Like you for the greatest miracle apart from salvation. Unite us as a family. 
united as a citywide church, that we would say yes to your purposes no matter the obstacles. Together, we can do more. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikloof. That's everynationswane.org forward slash moikloof. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.